If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many, many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I was looking at the invitation song that was selected before the new one came out, and I was going to work that one in. Now I've got to rework that one. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's all part of it. That's the joy of it. I was thinking as we were singing the songs, Paradise Valley for one, of our reminding ourselves of that joy of heaven, but our reminding ourselves that while we're here, that's what we're to be doing is to be encouraging one another that in heaven we will be seeing each one in that whatever spiritual sense that God has provided for us. But it does depend upon how we choose to live our life here. That's part of what Jesus is bringing out in this parable of the talents. And it's not so much using or not using what you've been given as it is in not trusting God who does the giving and the life that we live. Brought out in verse 15, 
that God gave to each one according to his several abilities. And we understand in the first century that a talent was a measure of money, and of course that had been well speculated as to what that might be in today's market, and there's no way to really come up with an accurate figure. I've heard up to, it could be a million dollars for a talent or more. So it wasn't just a minor amount of money that was being given. It was a huge amount of money that was being given. But it was being given because the master trusted the servant to be able to handle what he had been given. It works a little bit in the physical life as well. There's not a one of us that knows exactly what talents that we have and how many have been given to us, to use the modern terminology for a talent as a capability, if you will. But again, it goes back to that trusting God that he will do what is right and he can give as he knows that we have. Physical realm, again, it'd be no way for us to fully understand. I was thinking it'd be no way for Doug, when he was about the age of Mitchell, to believe that he would have the capability of being an electrician. It's something that you use and grow as you develop along and you develop talents that you didn't know that you had. That's the human life. We already understand that. That from the child all the way up, it's hard to tell at a child's age what they're going to be able to do when they reach adulthood. Or it's hard to tell that when we reach adulthood, what other talents that we have that we may be called upon to develop and to use for one reason or another. But it's this, do I trust God? He's the one who gave the life. He's the one who gave the mind. We're to develop it, and ours is to trust God that we can do the things that he would have us to do. And to believe that, again, in the spiritual realm, we have more talents than we believe that we have. It goes back to that one-talent man again. We are afraid to use what God has given to us, and so we hide it. And there's no telling the talent that we have available to us. The gifts that God has given. And again, it's that part of in verse 15 again. God gave to each one according to their ability. You're not being asked to do things that you cannot do. You're being asked to do the things that you can do But at the present time, you may think that you cannot do them. But do we trust God who gives those talents to us in order to reach forward? It's a fear factor that enters into it. Psychologists tell us that we are born with two fears. The fear of falling and that of noise. But soon after, we develop all kinds of other fears. Someone did a survey on 500 people asking him, what are you afraid of? 
And out of 500 people, they came up with 7,000 different types of fears that they have. Things that they're simply afraid of. For one reason or another. And sometimes, sometimes we carry that over into the spiritual realm. Well, I cannot do that. I'm afraid to try that. I could fail. I've tried it once and I failed. And again, we tried in the physical realm and it does not work. We have to develop capabilities along the way. Some things we just choose to keep that way along in life. I grew up not having a fond attraction for Brussels sprouts. And there's a reason for that. But I understand that your taste can change over time, but I'm not taking any chances. Besides that, I lost my, my, my sense of taste, and I still don't want to try it, just because I don't want to. That may be okay in some areas, but spiritually, is that okay? Is that okay to say I tried it once and I didn't like it, and therefore I'm not going to try it again? Well, I cannot do it as well as someone else can do it. Well, that's true in any aspect of our life. But that, that, that does not keep us from doing the things that we can do. There are those that are master mechanics that can handle anything, look at it. There's others of us that you do not want me working on your engine. Because if it can be broken, I can break it. But do we do that spiritually that we don't, do not trust? That one talent man said what? I was afraid. Of what? What was he afraid of? The master trusted him with a huge sum of money. More than any one of those could ever make it within their lifetime. He trusted them. They're saying, you can do it. They gave according to their ability. We understand that. We each have different abilities. But it does not keep us from, or should not keep us from trying to do the things that God would have us to do. We live in this age of fear of, I'm afraid to try this, I'm afraid to do that. But Christ came to deliver us from our fears. The writer of the book of Hebrews, in the 13th chapter of that book, in verses 5 and 6, the latter part of 5, well, let's look at 5 anyway. Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. With that being true, then you got six. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do we understand that? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can, 
man do to me? Do I have that trust in Him? That He will never leave us, nor will He ever forsake us in whatever it is that we do. Do I believe that the Master has given capabilities to me? And that He's given them to you? And that they are varied? Some have five, some have two, some have one. And it's that case again that as the, the parable was bringing out, that the one who had five gained five more, the one who had two gained two more. The assumption is if the one had used what he had given, he would have gained at least one more or could have gained one more. But nothing else, find what could be done. But also the one talent man had a wrong perspective of the master. And that comes down to us spiritually. I knew you were a hard man. Is that our concept of God? He's asking more of me than I could possibly give. He's wanting me to do more than I'm doing. Is that my concept of God? Or do I trust that He knows what I can do? And as we do with children, we always understand they can do more than they are being able to do at the present time. And as time unfolds, they'll be able to do tremendously amount more than where they are currently. Do I trust God? He made me. He created me. He gave me what I have. He has more to give that I do not have yet. Because oftentimes it is, as the scriptures say, you have not because you ask not. Or you ask and do not receive because you ask for the wrong reason. We want it to satisfy us. We want it for us to be able to be glorified rather than saying, whatever I have, whatever I can achieve, is for the glory of God. It's to help one another. That's why we gather together. That's why we're taking time to, to sing the songs to one another, to teach and admonish one another, that we are wanting to go to heaven, to Paradise Valley. And that we're understanding that there's a reward there. And our desire is not to see any develop that characteristic of fear and being afraid but the willingness to turn it over to God. The wise man of old in Ecclesiastes in that 12th chapter as he closes out that. Again, it's an interesting book to read through, Ecclesiastes. It reminds us of the vanity of vanity, all is vanity. It reminds us of the life that we live, however we choose to live it. If we're not living it for God, it's all in vain anyway. Whatever we do, we're going to leave it behind. 
We love what he says. You can, you can be wise in what you've done. You can be wise in what you've achieved. And then when you die, you're going to leave it to someone else. And who knows whether he's going to be wise or foolish. So if there's no other purpose in this life, it's all in vain. But as he closes out there in 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Respect God. Honor God. Fear God. And keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. God's going to bring it into judgment. But to respect God. Trust God. Trust God. There's no way to describe the human body without there being a designer who put it together. There's no way to describe how this body functions individually and collectively without there being a designer who put it together. We can see that. Do we not see it spiritually as well? We are the spiritual body of Christ. And there's no way for us to comprehend how it is put together except by God. And how it functions individually and collectively except by God. We're geared to sight. We look at each other with a physical eye. We see each other by the physical things that we see being done. And we forget that spiritual aspect of things. We're part of one body. And it is our desire that that body remain whole. That when one is sick, we help take care of the sick. When one is rejoicing, we can rejoice with them. But we encourage one another here for what lies beyond. To be with God eternally there in heaven. To have this respect for God and to be able to live it and to demonstrate it in the life that we live. In the gospel, not the gospel, in the book of Acts. It's still good news, but it's not one of the gospels. In the book of Acts in chapter 9, we have the Saul of Tarsus and the damage that he's trying to do to the church. And then we have his conversion taking place. And then we have who would be known then, not at this particular time, be Saul, but he becomes the Apostle Paul. After his conversion, after going to Arabia, he comes back to Jerusalem and wants to join himself to the disciples, and they're a little bit reluctant. The human perspective says, I already know who that guy is. I know why he left Jerusalem. I know where he was going. I know nothing about what took place as he was gone, and now he's coming back. And he wants to come into our fellowship. Human beings sometimes are very suspicious. Sometimes without sufficient evidence to go along with it. But Barnabas brings Saul to the, the brethren and speaks well of him. But it's in verse 31. As a result of Saul being able to join the fellowship, 
Then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. But what was involved in their having peace and being edified? In walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. They had a respect for the Lord. They had seen the Lord working. That goes back to what we like to do. We like to walk by sight more than we do by faith. But they had seen the result of a change in one called Saul of Tarsus to one who would become the Apostle Paul to convince them. The talent. Sometimes it takes a while to develop that talent. But the talents are there to be developed. The talents are there to that lie buried. They're simply waiting to be uncovered based on what we're willing to do. Are we willing to walk in the respect of the Lord and to keep his commandments? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do his will. Do the things that indeed would be pleasing within his sight. A few chapters earlier in the book of Hebrews. We know verse 6 of Hebrews 11. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. There's that trust again that the one talent man did not have. He was afraid. He did not believe that the master would be that rewarder. So he didn't use what he had. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, Moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Seeing something that was unseen. We talked about that in the Wednesday night class. Can you imagine again Noah being told in his day, build an ark. There's got flood coming. And to have the faith in God to do what he was asked. We do not know what his occupation was. May have been a carpenter, who knows? But we do not know. But the fact is, he was willing to take God at his word. You give your life to Jesus, you put your trust in him. You trust that he has given you according to what God wants you to have. And to believe that you have more than you believe you are capable of doing. That's the human life, is it not? That's what we do all the way through the human life. It's what we do in the spiritual life. We simply use what we have. It changes, it multiplies, it grows 
That's the beauty of, of being given time to make those changes and to put that trust in God. As was announced, we're in the process of selecting new deacons. These are going to be men who have not been serving in that capacity before. Some may be reluctant to step forward on that aspect of things. But God is with his people. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, says the Lord. Those are words that are to give comfort to us. Again, this is the beginning of that parable. A master had absolute confidence in his servants. He believed that he could leave his earthly goods with them, an amount that would stagger the mind and trust him. Except that one who the Lord trusted but was afraid. You have to see the contrast there. The master trusted the servant but the servant did not trust the master. And he lost. And so will we, if we do not trust the master. He came to give his life in order that we might live eternally with him. He came to give us a family in order that we might have a family with him eternally. The question will be as we're going to sing, Will Jesus find us watching when he comes? Will we be the faithful servant doing the master's will so that whenever the master comes, that's what we're doing. We're serving the master. We're watching. We want to be about the father's business. It begins with the individual a decision to recognize that it is sin that separates us from God, a willingness to repent of those sins, turn from them, to confess that Jesus indeed is the Lord and the Savior, the willingness to obey that Savior in baptism for the forgiveness of those sins in order to be raised to walk that new life. For as that child of God, who has been afraid and not used what the Master has given and needs to come home and to be a servant that is waiting for the Master. We need to make that change in your life if we could assist you, if we could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.